All right. Happy Monday. Uh, this time around, I kind of want to do something a little different than the usual rambling. I found it a pretty news light week, or at least stuff that I felt at least entertaining enough to go over. So what I want to do is I'm going to backtrack to something that I did about, you know, good, maybe nine months to a year ago. Um, I took a test and it's a personality test that you can get online. And I know there's a whole bunch of them. There's some that kind of have the color spectrums for what you're like as a person. And there's a few other ones that kind of have different scales um, for kind of the type of person that you are down deep. And um, I found a really good one online. I found it um, through Jordan Peterson. He has a few different websites. He has um, this one is called understandmyself.com. And he has another one that's um, an authoring program where you kind of write out how your life is going and then you're able to kind of visualize where you've been, where you are, and then you get to write out the future that you want for yourself. And that's another one that I find interesting and um, may get to another day. But the one that I did take and that I found a lot of curiosity in was his personality test and how people kind of fall on the big five aspect scale. And so it wasn't very hard. Uh, It even says when you sign up for it, it's about 15 minutes and they give you a hundred phrases and you kind of rate them on your own personal, like agree, disagree, don't care strongly, whatever, like on that kind of a scale. And you just kind of go through these hundred questions and it's neat because it kind of even tells you ahead of time, like don't be in a bad mindset when you take this, don't be already unhappy, anxious, hungry, or in kind of like a, a spiteful mood. It wants you to kind of be in a good place and just sit down and answer all these questions. And so I had kind of messed around with a few of the other free online ones, but I wanted, this one was kind of boasting that it was more in depth and it breaks things down. Like um, it takes the big five aspects, agreeableness, conscientiousness, uh, extroversion, neuroticism, and openness. And it breaks each of those down into two subcategories. So when I get to those, you can kind of see how it gets a little more dialed in and um, specific with things and about your personality. And so I thought this would be a fun one to go into. Um, The test, like I said, is understandmyself.com. And it's only 10 bucks. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. A lot of the stuff that I got out of it, it was pretty like not shocking, but there's a few things where it gives feedback about what people in that kind of, in that spectrum are like, and then things that you might need to do with yourself to improve on it or to see where the good and the bad lie in being that type of person. And so I did the hundred questions and they give you a pretty huge um, feedback on the site and then you're able to just kind of go through and look at all of them and um, kind of review and reflect on yourself. And so what I'm going to do is go over my results. So if you have zero desire to listen about me, um, that's fine. Um, but I think it would be cool if you take it and then it's kind of comparable and you can kind of discuss with other people just where you landed and then it may help you kind of understand um, just what you are as a person and maybe what you need to work on because I've taken things out of this that I need to work on and um, we'll discuss them as I get across, um, come to those points when I'm recording. So we'll go back to the first one. So like I said, it's agreeableness, 
Um, that breaks down into compassion and politeness, conscientiousness, which breaks down into industriousness and orderliness, extroversion, which breaks down into enthusiasm and assertiveness, neuroticism, which breaks down into withdrawal and volatility, and then openness to experience, which breaks down into openness and intellect. Um, so I'm just going to start from the top and kind of read out how it goes and then... Um, We'll go from there. So, agreeableness, I ranked very high on this. And it says, you are very high in agreeableness, which is the primary dimension of interpersonal interaction in the Big Five personality trait scientific model. Agreeableness has two aspects, compassion and politeness, which will be explained separately. Agreeableness is a very complex trait with marked positive and negative elements all along its distribution. Because of this, higher scores and lower scores need to be explained at the same time. People high in agreeableness are nice, compliant, nurturing, kind, naively trusting, and conciliatory. However, because of their tendency to avoid conflict, they often dissemble and hide what they think. People low in agreeableness are not so nice. Stubborn, dominant, harsh, skeptical, competitive, and in, in the extreme, even predatory. However, they tend to be straightforward, even blunt, so you know where they stand. So that's an excellent breakdown, I think, of what agreeableness means and then the two ends of it. So my score put me in the 95th percentile for agreeableness. So if there are 100 people in a room, I would be more agreeable than 95 of them and less agreeable than four of them. People with very high levels of agreeableness are seen by others as uncommonly cooperative, warm, and considerate. They're very much likely to look for um, even sometimes... I can't even read today. They're very much likely to look for and even sometimes to see the best in others and are unusually interpersonally tolerant, an attitude that is much valued by agreeable people. They cannot stand seeing someone's feelings get hurt and are extremely concerned about the emotional state of others, radically preferring peace and harmony. They tend very highly towards submissive rather than dominance, particularly if also above average in neuroticism. People with very high levels of agreeableness are very forgiving, accepting, flexible, gentle, and patient. They feel pity for those who are excluded, punished, or defeated. They're very insistent that people should work cooperatively and believe that competition with its losers and winners is morally wrong. However, extremely agreeable people can be easily taken advantage of, particularly by disagreeable people, including those with criminal or predatory intent. They will lose arguments or even avoid discussions with less agreeable people. They're not very good at bargaining for themselves or at negotiating for more recognition of power, sorry, or power. They're likely to have lower salaries and to earn less money in consequence. All this can lead to intense resentment and hidden anger, particularly among those who are high in neuroticism. Furthermore, people of their tendency, sorry, furthermore, because of their tendency to avoid or reduce conflict, very highly agreeable people may sacrifice medium to long-term stability and function for the sake of short-term peace. This can mean 
that problems should be solved in the present dangerously accumulate across time. Um, and a lot of that resonates with me. Um, I try not to be a pushover, but according to this, I'm still very agreeable. So I've kind of gone out of my way to make sure I do stand up for myself more often. And, um, but when I do read this, it does kind of bring up the thought that yes, I've been mostly agreeable most of my life. Uh, women are higher in agreeableness than men. The mean percentile for women in a general population, so for women and men, is 61.5. For men, it's 38.5. The fact that men are lower in agreeableness than women helps explain their much higher rates of criminal incarceration. So 90% of people in jail are men. The primary difference between criminals and non-criminals is disagreeableness. If the typical criminal is more disagreeable than 98% of people in the general population, then almost all of those criminals will be male. This difference in agreeableness between men and women is largest in countries such as Norway and Sweden, where the most has been done to ensure equality of outcome between the sexes. This provides strong evidence that biological factors, rather than environment and learning, account for the dis- disale- dissimilarity. Agreeableness, per se, is not strongly associated with political liberalism or conservatism, but this is, be- but this is because the aspect of agreeableness predicts such political beliefs in opposite ways and cancel each other out. Liberals are high in aspects of compassion and conservatives in aspects of politeness. However, alliance with the category of belief that has come to be known as politically correct is strongly predicted by agreeableness, particularly compassion. What this appears to mean is that agreeable people strongly identify with those they deem oppressed, seeing them essentially as exploited infants, and demonize those they see as oppressors, seeing them as cruel, heartless predators. There are large differences between men and women in terms of spontaneous interest, and these also appear associated with agreeableness. Agreeable people, caring as they do for others, are more likely to enter professions associated with people, such as teaching and nursing, which are dominated by women. This is true even in the Scandinavian countries, where attempts to produce gender-equal societies has reached a maximum. Disagreeable people, by contrast, appear to prefer systemizing over emphasizing and are more interested in things, machines, and technology. In consequence, professions such as engineering and trades associated with construction and machinery tend to be dominated by relatively disagreeable men. Um, Now it moves into the subcategory. So agreeableness has two aspects, compassion and politeness. So myself, I'm high in compassion, which is one of the aspects of agreeableness. Uh, My score puts me in the 81st percentile for compassion. So once again, if there's 100 people in a room... I would be more compassionate than 81 of them and less compassionate than 18 of them. Highly compassionate people are much interested in the problems of other people and other living things, particularly if they are young or helpless. They are quite concerned about helping other people avoid negative emotion. They make more time and do more kinds of things for others, even when doing so may interfere with fulfilling their own needs and interests. They have a markedly soft side. Other people consider them sympathetic and nice and will turn to them often for a listening ear. They are highly empathetic and caring. 
However, because they are so other-oriented, they may find it difficult to negotiate on their own behalf and may not get what they deserve for their hard work, for example. This can lead to resentment. Those who are liberal politically score somewhat higher in compassion than conservatives, and then women are also higher in compassion than men. The mean percentile for women in general population and men is 61 for women, and then for men it is 39. Politeness is the next area that it comes up, and it says you're exceptionally high in politeness, which is one aspect of agreeableness. Your score puts you at the 98th percentile for politeness. If you were one of 100 people in a room, you would be more polite than 98 of them and less polite than one of them. Exceptionally polite people are remarkably differential to authority and are unusually obedient. They're extremely respectful and hate to appear or to be pushy. They're extraordinarily uncomfortable, challenged, challenging other people. Exceptionally polite people will try diligently to avoid conflict and have an intense desire to steer clear of confrontations or fights. Those who are liberal politically score somewhat lower in politeness than conservatives. The opposite pattern is seen with compassion. Women are higher in politeness than men. The mean percentile for women in a general population is 59, and for men, it's 41. So, when I look back on this and the agreeableness and then the compassion and the politeness, um, after I took this, it wasn't shocking to me. Um, It was... Uh, quite a bit higher than I had expected, um, especially politeness being 98th percentile. Not to say that I'm rude ever, but I kind of was shocked by how high it was. And I do really appreciate the feedback saying that you need to watch that because there's being polite and compassionate and then there's letting people walk all over you and you don't want that to happen either. But you don't want to be on the other end of the spectrum where you're just an asshole all the time. And so the results make me feel good as a whole, like the agreeableness being 95, um, compassion 81, and then politeness 98. Um, So the one thing I do take away from this, like I said, is I do try to make more of a conscious effort that when I do feel I should be standing up for myself, I do, because it does mention a few times in here that um, if you stop standing up for yourself or just let people walk all over you, uh, you do become resentful. And I have felt that at certain points in my life where I give and give and give and then kind of you expect others to do it in return. And then when it doesn't happen, you feel hurt or resentful. And so after reading all this, I've know that I've made an effort that when I do feel that it's right to stand up or say something or even stand up for others, um, I try to make my voice louder and I try to speak up more frequently and I find that it's working. Um, I think that maybe some of these numbers have gone maybe down since then but not drastically I would say to just more um, average numbers right. Um, So it's I think it's pretty cool um, that even just out of the gates in the agreeableness category that there's hits it on the head kind of for what kind of person that I am and then give some great feedback on where I should be working on it. The next category is conscientiousness. Um, so that one I scored moderately low. 
So you are moderately low in conscientiousness, which is the primary dimension of dutiful achievement in the big five personality traits scientific model. <clears throat> conscientiousness is a measure of obligation, attention to detail, hard work, persistence, cleanliness, efficiency, and adherence to rules, standards, and processes. Conscientious people implement their plans and establish and maintain order. My score puts me in the 25th percentile for conscientiousness. So once again, if there's 100 people in a room, I would be less conscientious than 74 of them and more conscientious than 25 of them. People moderately low in conscientiousness are not particularly dutiful. They are by no means sloggers. They will only work hard if pushed and don't mind wasting time. They are quite likely to procrastinate, particularly if they are also above average in neuroticism. If people with moderately low levels of conscientiousness commit to doing something, there's a good chance they will be late or delayed, even if there isn't much reason for it. They tend to find and deliver excuses for their failures under such circumstances. They are not markedly decisive, neat, organized, future-oriented, or reliable, and they find themselves easily distracted. People with moderately low levels of conscientiousness are less likely to obtain higher grades in academic settings, particularly if they are also less intelligent, and generally require substantial supervision to stay on task. For this reason, they make less than optimal managers and administrators. They do feel compelled to do things by the book, however. This can perhaps be an advantage if they are engaged in creative tasks, where rules must be broken for advancement to take place. They are unlikely to make career accomplishment as a primary goal, turning instead to pursuit of safety and security if they're highly neurotic, creative accomplishment if they're high in openness, and establishment of intimate relationship and friendships if they're highly agreeable, or they seek social success, excitement, and fun if they're extroverted. People moderately low in conscientiousness tend to be relatively free of guilt, shame, self-disgust, and self-contempt. Other people, however, may react negatively to their tendencies to slack off, particularly if those other people are disagreeable and conscientious. Individuals who are moderately low in conscientiousness are not particularly concerned by failure. They are not judgmental to themselves or others and tend towards situations or sorry, situational explanations for disappointment, frustration, or lack of success. They can handle periods of inactivity and unemployment with relative ease. They tend to downplay the relationship between hard work, diligence, and success, believing the chance factor and luck in life play a determining role. They live, in large part, for leisure and very much look forward to time off. They can be good at relaxing and living in the moment particularly when low in neuroticism. They are less concerned than the average, sorry, they are less concerned than average with cleaning, moral purity, and achievement. It's more fun to be at the beach or at a party with a person moderately low in conscientiousness, but you might not want to invite them over on moving day. People moderately low in conscientiousness are more likely to be political liberals rather than conservatives. This is particularly true if they are also high in openness. Women are very slightly more conscientious than men. The mean percentile for women in a general population is 51.5, and for men, 49.5. So those are both super close. 
and then it breaks it down into the two subcategories. So conscientiousness has two aspects, industriousness and orderliness. So for the industriousness part, you are low in industriousness, which is one aspect of conscientiousness. Your score puts you at the 11th percentile for industriousness. If you were one of the 100 people in a room, you would be less industrious than 88 of them and more industrious than 11 of them. People who are low in industriousness are much less likely to be successful in school and in administrative and managerial positions, particularly if they are also less intelligent. If they are highly intelligent, they tend to be regarded as underachievers. They focus less on work than others and are substantially more likely to procrastinate, miss deadlines, or fail to complete assignments or projects completely. They put off responsibilities, concentrating more on fun, worry, relationships, excitement, or creative endeavors. They aren't concerned with schedules, timelines, or efficiency, and will have to be supervised excessively before their tasks will be completed. They lack focus and are too easily distracted. People low in industriousness are not judgmental to themselves or others. They let people, including themselves, off the hook. They believe that people fail not because they don't apply themselves or work hard, but because chance and luck play the determining roles. They're resistant to guilt, self-disgust, or self-content, and have very laissez-faire, whatever will be, will be attitudes towards life. Those who are liberal and those who are conservative appear equally industrious. Men are slightly more industrious than women. The mean percentile for men in a general population is 51.5, and then for women it's 49.5. The other part of that is orderliness. And so for this one, you are average or typical in orderliness, which is one aspect of conscientiousness. My score was a 54 for orderliness. So once again, if there's 100 people in a room, I would be more orderly than 54 of them and less orderly than 45 of them. Typically, orderly people are neither particularly disturbed nor disgusted by mess and chaos. They keep everything moderately tidy and organized. They don't think in terms of simple black and white in their world. There are many shades of gray. They don't rely over much on schedules, lists, or routines, preferring to take things as they come. They are not overly oriented towards details, rigidly rule-abiding, or judgmental. They like routine and predictability under some circumstances, but don't mind if such things are disrupted. They can manage complex, sensitive processes when supervised properly and carefully, but may have to be reminded to pay proper attention and maintain focus. They can, however, tolerate mess, disruption, and intervening periods of chaos that may accompany creative endeavors. Those who are average in orderliness are no more likely to be political conservatives or liberals, although they will tend towards the former, if low in openness to experience and the latter if high. Women are more orderly than men. The mean percentile for women in general population is 54.5, and for men it's 45.5. This may account for some of the trouble in relation to housework between women and men. Since women are, on average, more orderly, household disorder will trigger disgust and discomfort in them faster. This may happen with sufficient frequency, so they end up doing a disappropriate share of the work, even though 
if they waited a bit longer, their orderly partner, often men, sorry, their less orderly partners, often men, might end up equally troubled and motivated to fix the problem. Orderly people are more likely to have items such as event calendars, drawer organizers, laundry baskets, irons, and ironing boards in the immediate environment. So now when I look back at the conscientiousness, um, I kind of saw this one coming with other things that I have kind of learned from um, Jordan Peterson and like his book and things like that. And so I knew coming in that conscientiousness would be low and I may have driven it up because of some of the practices that I've kind of added to my life. I, I get up, I make my bed, I try and make my house a little more tidy and I try to be on top of things more. So this probably could have been an even lower statistic if I hadn't been introduced to these kind of practices a little sooner. Um, I now run a lot of my stuff off of making lists, which has been a huge help. Um, and I highly recommend it if you're kind of in the same boat that I am. I kind of have lists all over the place. Like at work, I have um, the app open on my desktop. That's all the little post-its and I fill it with what I'm going to do for the day. And I constantly reopen it and kind of reorganize my day going forward. Um, a lot of the stuff I do at work is case driven. So it's nice to have like the list of things that I'm going to be working on all day long, once again, kind of in front of me and it keeps my brain in order. And so then I don't fall off task and it kind of helps raise that industriousness, which was horribly low for me. And so I have found kind of a system and a job that works for me and keeps me on task and moving forward because it's more case driven. So I'm doing bit by bit and then I'm always updating my daily lists for myself as time goes on. And I kind of find that's worked for me and kind of fixing my lack of drive and motivation that I have. But once again, I find this description kind of hits bang on for me. I've never been driven for to be hyper successful and so therefore I don't really kind of put that extra time and stuff into doing other things and being super successful at work and stuff like that I kind of just ride the wave and but I do make sure I do a good job and I do make sure that I don't let things fall through the cracks and so it is pretty helpful to kind of once again read this and just kind of sit back think about it take the feedback in a positive way and just start making little life changes. And so like my lists are fantastic and just holding yourself accountable to a lot of things too and just following up because just you shouldn't set the bar too high. That's another thing that I've learned is just small incremental steps forward to kind of improving yourself on a daily basis. And I feel like I've been doing that over the last couple of years and this site helps with stuff like that and just kind of a lot of the teachings that he has given through his book and just listening to a lot of his lectures or even if you want lighter stuff listen to Jordan Peterson's podcast with Joe Rogan and he kind of lays out how to kind of improve your life and find meaning in it and so it I've just I've thoroughly enjoyed it and I feel that I've made myself a better person through all of this um the next one as we're moving along is extroversion so it's kind of funny. I go like one that's really high, one that's really low, and then one that's really high again. And so, not shocking, my extroversion is high, um, which is the primary dimension of positive emotion in the Big Five personality trait scientific model. Extroversion is a measure of general sense sensitivity to positive emotions such as hope, joy, 
um, anticipation and approach, particularly in social situations. So once again, I'm in the 80th percentile. Um, people with high levels of extroversion are comparatively enthusiastic, talkative, assertive in social situations, and gregarious. They're typically energized by social contact and crave it. They take great pleasure in planning parties, telling jokes, making people laugh, and taking part in community activities. They're likely to have positive memories of the past, high levels of current self-esteem, particularly if they're low in neuroticism, and to feel positive and optimistic about the future. People who are high in extroversion have a difficult time keeping things to themselves and tend to tell everyone everything. They are self-disclosing, particularly if also high in neuroticism, and they warm up quickly to other people. They tend to speak first and most often in meetings. They can be captivating and convincing. They will often be the first to act. People who are high in extroversion make enthusiastic employees and are well-suited to jobs involving sales, persuasion, work in groups, and public speaking particularly, once again, if they are low in eroticism. They are not as suited to occupations that require a lot of isolated work, such as computer programmer or accounting. People high in extroversion can also be impulsive, particularly when it comes to having fun in social situations. They are more likely than average to sacrifice the future to the present when something social or group-oriented beckons. It is somewhat difficult for them to be alone and to study and work. They can be easily distracted by opportunities to chat, joke, and socialize. This is particularly the case if they are low in conscientiousness, which was me. Um, When individuals are extroverted and conscientious, they are more productive than if they are introverted and conscientious. However, when they are introverted and unconscientious, They are more productive than they are when they are extroverted and unconscientious. A lot of stuff to go over there. People high in extroversion are more dominant in social situations, particularly if they are low in agreeableness. Less agreeable extroverts tend to be self-centered, something that can be made worse if they are also low in conscientiousness. Those who are politically liberal are slightly less extroverted than conservatives. Women are slightly more extroverted than men. The mean percentile for women in general population is 52, and for men, it's 48. So not as far apart as I thought it would be. But once again, the extroversion thing hits bang on. I have a huge history in the restaurant industry, which I think was a fantastic fit. And I know that I've been courted by a few different times in my life to be like a salesperson or some kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, just like life insurance or stuff like that where you'd need the charisma and kind of the the extroversion to um, sell your product. And so I found that I was in the restaurant industry for 12 years and it was an excellent fit because you're constantly surrounded by people in the restaurant and you're chatting them up and it was an excellent fit for me. And then the ability to kind of ping all over the place and you're never locked in on like one task for a long time also kind of fit my personality super well so the extroversion makes total sense and so the subcategories of it the first one is enthusiasm once again very high Um, I scored 92nd percentile for that one so individuals who are very high enthusiasm are uncommonly excitable happy and easy to get to know they will talk very rapidly about everything particularly other people 
They laugh or giggle frequently. They must be around people almost all the time, and they love parties. They cannot keep people at a distance and keep nothing private. They are very positive and optimistic. They warm up very quickly to other people. They love and crave stimulation, excitement, activity, and fun. Enthusiastic people are gregarious, encouraging, and people-loving, and they are strikingly positive about what might happen next. Enthusiasm is not strongly associated with political preference, either conservative or liberal. Um, Women are higher in enthusiasm than men. The mean percentile for women in general population is 55, and then for men, 45. Um, This one I agree with and disagree with. Um, I get where the enthusiasm comes from, and I can see how in the workplace, how I am very enthusiastic about stuff both in my current job and, like I said, in my previous restaurant gigs. Um, But I also find now that I'm in my 40s, I do enjoy some solitude and some downtime. And so um, the 92, it seems high. It doesn't shock me, but I also can see it coming down as I get a little older and I kind of also have a small core of friends that this applies to and it's not more of a broad audience like it used to be where I wanted to chat with whoever wanted to chat right so but once again it makes total sense um, the other half of that one or the other sub subcategory of it is assertiveness um, this one I'm almost dead in the middle I'm the 52nd percentile so people of average assertiveness will sometimes take charge spontaneously but often let others step in first They can put forward their own opinions, but do not feel compelled to do so. They are not particularly dominant and do not generally strive to control social situations. At times, they can act in an influential or captivating manner, but is not habitual. They can act in ambiguous situations, but will often let others lead the way. They tend not to be particularly impulsive and tend not to act without thinking. Liberals tend to be slightly less assertive than conservatives. And then women are slightly less assertive than men. The mean percentile for women in a general population is 48, and for men, 52. So this one I'm actually kind of happy with. At one point, I would have said that my assertiveness was very, very low. And so I think this one has come up with me attempting to work on kind of what I said in the beginning parts where I was almost willing to let people walk all over me. So it's nice to see my assertiveness has kind of risen up and just for it to be kind of on par because for men, the average was 52 and that's exactly where I landed. So typical guy, I don't know. I'm not overly assertive douchebaggery and I'm not underly assertive to the point where I'm passive. So as far as it falls under the extroversion tree, um, I'm not overly extroverted and hopefully in people's face and I do try to consciously kind of not be annoying where I know where as a child I was probably hyper and people wanted to nail me with like a trank dart at some point. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like once again, it's pretty bang on and I agree with almost everything it says. And once again, it kind of gives this one you can't really work on. You're either an extrovert or you're not. And so I am, I always have been. Um, I welcomed going back to the office during this time of year also just so I could... I thrived better at work when there's at least some people around me, even if it's just for to get some help or a little bit of chit chat. It's just I know that in these last few weeks since I've returned to the office that 
um, my mindset has improved and also that I'm just I'm able to put my nose down and work a lot better because I'm getting these little bursts of conversation as opposed to when I was working at home and if I'm by myself around here there's no conversation and I think it did drag my mood down so um, pretty good stuff in there the next of the big five that comes up is neuroticism and I'm low on that I'm in the 11th percentile so I'm low in neuroticism which is the primary dimension of negative emotion in the big five personality trait scientific model neuroticism neuroticism is a measure of general sensitivity to negative emotion such as pain sadness irritable or defensive anger fear and anxiety so like I said I'm in the 11th percentile, so that was a good one to see that it was pretty low. Um, people with low levels of neuroticism rarely focus on the negative elements, anxieties, and uncertainties of the past, present, and future. It is rare for them to face periods of time where they are unhappy, anxious, and irritable unless facing a serious, sustained problem. Even under the latter conditions, they cope well, don't worry too much, and recover quickly when stressed. They're good at keeping their head in a storm, and they seldom make mountains out of molehills. Um, and this does resonate. I remember when I worked in the restaurant industry, there was two of us named Paul. And um, I remember the other one, one day he said that I seemed unflappable. And it was funny because it was the first time I had ever heard that word. And I was like, what the hell does unflappable mean? And he was pretty scatterbrained and all over the place. And he goes, I'm flappable you're unflappable and so that was kind of my introduction to that term and like reading this it kind of reinforces that kind of um, mentality that I have and it's a good trait to have so um, low neurotic people tend to have much higher levels of self-esteem particularly when they are also average or above average in extroversion so that's me they're at low risk for developing anxiety disorders and depression Again, particularly if average or above extroversion. When good things happen to them, people with low levels of neuroticism can accept it without questioning whether or not they deserve it. They're usually satisfied with their relationships and careers. Overall, they are tolerant of stress and can accept failure and setbacks as part of life. Low levels of neuroticism are associated with decreased concern about mental and physical health, much fewer physician and emergency room visits, and reduced absenteeism at work and at school, unless accompanied by very low levels of conscientiousness. People with low levels of neuroticism can handle risk substantially better without becoming unduly concerned. They are rarely concerned with security and can more easily handle recreational, career, financial, and social situations where the possibility of loss is higher. They find consider considering as well as implementing career changes and other transformations that could enhance their lives much less stressful. Neuroticism is not a powerful predictor of political belief in either conservatives or liberals. And then females tend to be higher in neuroticism than males. The typical woman is higher in neuroticism than 60% of the general population of men and women combined. In part, this may be why women report much more unhappiness in their relationships, at work, in school, and with their health than men on average, and why women initiate 70% of all divorces. This difference in eroticism between men and women appears to emerge at puberty, 
It is largest in countries such as Norway and Sweden, where the most is being done to ensure equality of outcome between the sexes. This provides strong evidence that biological factors, rather environment and learning, account for the dissimilarities. Um, And then neuroticism breaks down into withdrawal and volatility. So for myself, my withdrawal rating was the 27th percentile. Um, So individuals moderately low in withdrawal tend not to suffer from nor be impeded by anticipation. By anxiety. They can handle new, uncertain, and unexpected, threatening, or complex situations quite well. They are not more likely to avoid or withdraw in the face of the unknown and unexpected. People with moderately low levels of withdrawal occasionally feel sad, lonesome, disappointed, and grief-stricken, but not too deeply and not for too long. They experience lower than normal levels of doubt and worry, embarrassment, self-consciousness, and disagreement in the face of threat and punishment. They are not particularly sensitive, nor worried about social rejection, and don't easily feel hurt or threatened. Even when hurt, frightened, or anxious, they recover with relative ease and speed. People with moderately low levels of withdrawal are not particularly concerned that something bad is going to happen. Technically, Withdrawal has been associated with activity in the brain system that regulate passive avoidance. Those who are liberal politically are slightly higher in withdrawal than conservatives, and then women are higher in withdrawal than men. The mean percentile for women in general population is 60, and for men, 40. So once again, that one kind of makes sense. Um, The description of kind of bouncing back quickly and then not feeling low for a really long time or withdrawn for a really long time kind of hits it on the head and then when you also take into account my um, extroversion being super high um, it kind of makes sense Um, the next subcategory is volatility which is also again very low this one is my lowest I think it's the fifth percentile Um, Individuals very low in volatility are highly stable and predictable in their moods. They are almost never irritable and feel very little disappointment, frustration, pain, and loneliness. People find them easy to be with and can very frequently relax around them. They almost never express their frustration, disappointment, and irritability and appear very reasonable when they do. Even on those infrequent occasions... When they become stirred up, upset, angry, or irritated, they calm down very quickly. They are not at all argumentative and very rarely lose their composure. Even if highly provoked in a dispute, a person of very low volatility will rarely react in kind, particularly if also high in agreeableness. Such people remain calm, um, unperturbed, even when highly stressed. Volatile people tend to get upset if something bad does happen, while people high in withdrawal, the other aspect of neuroticism, tend to be concerned that something bad might happen. Technically, volatility has been associated with activity in the brain systems that regulate fight, flight, or freeze. Um, Volatility is not strongly related to a political preference, again, either liberal or conservative. And then women are higher in volatility than men. The mean percentile for women in the general population is 575 And then for men, 42.5. Now on to the fifth part, 
Um, openness to experience. This one, I'm the 41st percentile. So I'm typical or average in openness to experience, which is the primary dimension of creativity, artistic interest, and intelligence, particularly verbal intelligence, in the big five personality trait scientific model. Openness to experience is a measure of interest in novelty, art, literature, abstract thinking, philosophy, as well as sensitivity to aesthetic emotions and beauty. So people with typical levels of openness to experience are as smart and creative as others on average. They're not generally characterized as exploratory or visionary, um, but have their moments of insight and realization. They're sometimes interested in learning um, for their own sake and show some interest in acquiring new abilities and skills. They're not overwhelmingly curious and are not strikingly interested in abstract thinking, philosophy, or the meaning of belief systems and ideologies. They will attend cultural events such as movies, concerts, dance recitals, plays, poetry, readings, um, gallery openings, and art shows, but do not find themselves compelled to do so. They sometimes enjoy writing and will occasionally enjoy encountering and trying to solve a complex problem or explore abstract ideas. They tend to read an average amount, but more mainstream material. They have a normal range of interests and a reasonable vocabulary. They can think and learn reasonably quick. They sometimes find themselves formulating new ideas and are articulate enough to get their ideas across and thoughts, particularly if average or above average in extroversion. People average in openness now and then see old things in new ways, but are also satisfied with the tried and true. They can solve day-to-day problems well and sometimes seek out a more difficult challenge. People who are average or typical in openness to experience can adapt reasonably well to situations or occupations that are routine and predictable. They have little trouble fitting in at the bottom of hierarchies. They can be better suited than those who are more open to entry-level, repetitive, rote positions because they aren't compelled to think up new ways to do things. They are not uncreative thinkers, but are less commonly known as creative or revolutionary. They rarely shake things up, particularly if they are also agreeable and less assertive. Individuals average in openness to experience may be entrepreneurial in spirit, but they also appreciate conventional employment. They have no more than average interest in creating new ventures, whether for profit, curiosity, or personal transformation. At least moderately high levels of openness to experience appears appear necessary to the formation and leadership of business and other forms of complex organization, although conscientiousness appears required for the attention to detail and process management that such organization also always need. People typical in openness to experience have an average range of interests. This makes it relatively easy for them to settle on a single path in life, to specialize um, to, fuss, bleh, to specialize to a necessary degree, and to create an integrated identity, unless they are very high or above in neuroticism and or very low or below in conscientiousness. People characterized by the combination of moderate high openness to experience and very high or above levels of neuroticism can undermine their own convictions and beliefs by questioning and making themselves lost and anxious. 
Open and conscientious people tend to be underachievers, particularly if also above average in neuroticism. Such people appear to have the capability to succeed. They can learn quickly and are creative, but they can have some trouble implementing their ideas. Openness to experience is the dimension that best predicts political allegiance, with conscientiousness, particularly the aspect of orderliness, coming in as second place. Those who are liberal liberal politically are much more likely to be high in openness to experience than conservatives. Women and men differ very little in openness to experience at the trait level, although there are differences at the aspect level. Um, so this one also breaks down into two subcategories. So openness to experience is made up of the aspects of intellect and openness. So intellect comes with a little precursor. It notes that do not confuse the personality aspect of intellect with IQ. Intellect is a measure of interest in abstract ideas, essentially, while IQ is a measure of processing speed, verbal ability, working memory, and problem-solving capacity, and is better measured with a formal IQ test. It is perfectly possible to have a high IQ and a low score on the personality trait of of intellect, or vice versa. So, for intellect, I scored in the 41st percentile, and I think I had a few things in the 40s. So, once again, I'm typical or average in intellect. People typical in intellect can be interested in ideas and abstract concepts. They don't mind and sometimes enjoy being confronted with novel information, however, even if it is complex. They are as curious as the average person and occasionally like to tackle and solve intellectual problems. They are sometimes compelled to engage in philosophical discussions and to enjoy complex books, most frequently non-fiction. But, more straightforward issues and topics are generally sufficient. They are acceptably articulate and can formulate and communicate their ideas reasonably well, particularly if average or higher in extroversion. They have a vocabulary of normal breadth and depth and can enjoy learning new things. Occasionally, they will seek out or generate novel, creative concepts and find and find and adapt well to new experiences and situations. People typical or average in intellect sometimes find complex, rapidly changing occupations less to their liking and are reasonably liking to do well at them, particularly if they are high in conscientiousness and low in neuroticism. They are also well suited to stable, straightforward and more traditional occupations where the rules for success are well-defined and tend not to change, although they may experience sporadic periods of boredom in such positions. Liberals are higher in intellect than conservatives, although the biggest difference between the two is openness to experience at the trait level, like we discussed a little earlier. Women are lower than men in intellect, although not in IQ. This is probably a difference in interest. People high in intellect, compared to openness, are more likely to prefer the sciences to the arts. The mean percentile for women in general population is 45, and for men, 55. And then the other part of openness is, the final one is just openness in general. I'm 44th percentile on this one. Um, The closest synonym, synonym 
for openness rather than openness to experience, which encompasses openness and intellect, is creativity. So this kind of covers the creative part of it. Um, People who are average in openness or creativity find beauty reasonably important. They may enjoy an outlet for their creative, creative ability, but will not wither away without it. They can appreciate art or beautiful crafts. They are somewhat sensitive to color and architectural form. They sometimes enjoy collecting, but it's rare for them to pursue it passionately. They are reasonably imaginative and may daydream and reflect on occasionally. Um, They tend to enjoy music, often of the more conventional popular form, and may be somewhat musical or artistic themselves. Both of these are rare in the general population. They do not generally become so immersed in a book or a movie or in their own thoughts that they lose touch with the outside world. They're interested in, but by no means obsessed with beauty, creativity, and art. People of typical or average openness tend to be quite stable and reasonable, or sorry, reasonably conventional, particularly if they're also average or above average in conscientiousness. At least moderate levels of openness tend to be necessary for entrepreneurial success and prove comparatively useful at the top of hierarchies, even if very conservative occupations such as banking, accounting, and law, which need creative people in leadership positions to provide new vision and direction. Liberals are higher in openness than conservatives, um, although the biggest difference between the two is openness to experience, like I said earlier, and then women are higher in openness than men. The mean percentile for women in general population is 56.5, and for men, 44.5. So that entire thing, which almost took me an hour to read, so it gives quite a bit of feedback, and um, I pretty much read the entire thing back um, just to kind of go over it again, because I got it quite a few months ago. And so... I like going over it. I like taking kind of what can be worked on and fixing it. Like I said, my agreeableness. Um, I can probably tone down my compassion and politeness if I feel like I'm being taken advantage of. Um, my conscientiousness, and which has the industriousness and orderliness. I know to work on those on a daily basis to keep bringing them up and working hard to kind of keep things neat, tidy, and then to stay on task at my work. Um extroversion that's just me and who I am Um, it says that I'm not super assertive in it so I'm not kind of like in your face annoying extroversion or at least I hope I'm not Um, I'm low in neuroticism the withdrawal and volatility portions of it Um, so that's nice and like I had said um, I quite enjoy being the unflappable reliable person that can be relied on if shit hits the fan and um, it's nice to see that this test kind of backs up kind of the way I feel like I have been as a person and then like the openness and the intellect kind of the the artsy side of it right like the the creativity and the liking beautiful things those kind of being down the center I've never been a super artsy person but I have created things in the past that have been kind of cool on the artistic side Um, I have enjoyed doing some art projects and I know in the past that my mother has kept some of my art stuff from when I was young because some things when I did put my head down and work on it turned out to be some pretty nice projects but then on the other hand there's times where I just am not creative at all um 
or won't touch a book for ages. Like I'm in a period now where I'm pretty unmotivated to read, but I am listening to a few things um, that I, that's things that I want to learn or just I started re-listening to some of the Lord of the Rings stuff just because that kind of gets the juices flowing in my head because I enjoy the fantasy setting. So overall, um, I highly recommend it. Like I said, it's understandmyself.com. And for $10, um, I know I've had a few friends do it, and then we've kind of gone over and discussed where we're the same, where we're different, and then you kind of get that aha moment when they kind of relay what they got as um, their kind of percentiles for everything. It's kind of neat to kind of be like, okay, yeah, I see that. Or like, and you, and if you're differing, then they can kind of look to you or you look to them and like how they run their day and how they run their lives and how you can improve yourselves or kind of better this um overall kind of result so um thanks for listening i hope this kind of was something that you may find interesting i do find um the aspects um this scale kind of interesting stuff and i know there's other like i'd said there's other sources online like there's the color spectrum um myers briggs i believe is the other one that kind of gives a breakdown i had done another one that kind of gives an actual like job description for what you should be doing and I found that one kind of entertaining because it said I said I should be an entertainer (laughs) which is completely falls in line with this one because I'm through the roof um extroversion and I'm kind of all over the place right so if you're still here thanks for listening and um I'll talk with you later